Hello, this is the Digital Loop Season 2, Episode 15. We're today on three different time zones in Europe, We're covering the entire Europe. We have Ivan, as usual, in uh, in Poland. Hi, Ivan. And we have our guest, Tommy, Tommy Darker, uh, who's in Kiev today. Hi, Tommy. How are you? Hello. Very good, very good. I'm really, really looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, me, us too. This is, so thank you very much for accepting to, to talk. I mean, I, I've been knowing Tommy for, for quite a bit now. He's, he's been doing a lot of interesting uh, stuff around uh, the, our music. And this is something we actually never talked about. I mean, music, we, on this show, we've been going on for two seasons and we never actually really talked about music, which is basically, uh, has a lot to do with all we've been talking about, whether it's about digital, whether about, it's about the pricing of content, whether it's about the experience. So I'm really delighted to have Tommy here. And I, we called it the, 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 the show The Musicpreneur because that's a term that you, Tommy, came up with. So can you tell me basically what is a musicpreneur or what is a musicpreneur movement? Okay, it's, it's a word that uh, the British people, they say musicpreneur and the, the Americans say musicpreneur. So yeah, well, it's difficult to pronounce. Um, so in general, I'm, I'm, I'm a musician myself, i got to say that. Um, so while composing music, what I started, like, all right, now we need to promote these things. You know, um, I started thinking that things are changing, you know, that the labels are not what, what they used to, and I started noticing some patterns. I'm quite analytical, and, and I like maths. So I started noticing some patterns, and, I, and then I started writing down things. And all these thoughts, you know, I started publishing them online, and people responded. So eventually, I, I was checking out what people say, what, what I'm thinking about. I was experimenting with my music. I was conducting like some research. So all these things put together around 2009, they started creating this, this mindset that now uh, a musician cannot be just making music. Well, they say, oh, I just want to make music. I mean, they can do it, but I believe that they cannot survive in this digital world, this music ecosystem that is changing all the time. So because I'm really, I, I, I really like to have words, specific words. You know, I'm from Greece, so every every meaning in Greece there is a word. So there was nothing that explains how this new mindset, you know, is described in a word. So I thought maybe I should call it something, and I came up with musicpreneur, which is right. I mean, some people say I hate it, makes me want to puke. Some people say, oh, that's a really interesting word. But anyway, just the word. Uh, but I would, I would like to interrupt, but actually, I would say that uh, the you say you some people hate it. And there's always something that strikes me when I talk to uh, to musicians. And when I say musicians, I'm not talking about the big stars we're talking because I'm I'm not keen about knowing uh, very famous stars. There's always a, a little bit of uh, hate. Maybe is a strong word. Maybe you're gonna say it's hate or not. But I think there's not a very well connect between music and business. As if you know, I'm doing music, but I don't want to know about business. So people just should hear about my music. By doing the, by creating that word, musicpreneur, you basically clash these two worlds together, and this is probably why some people hate it. Am I right? I think so. I think so. I, I think it's a really valid thought. You know, uh, so people, yeah, there is this mutual suspicion between um, art and commerce. But anyways, this is what we're bridging now. You know, and this is what I'm. I'm trying to make it a mainstream idea and quite acceptable idea that being a, um, a musician that is also conducting business and, and turning art into an enterprise is not something bad and is not something you know prohibited. So um, as, as a definition, for me, musicpreneur is an artist that is taking care of both their artistic and entrepreneurial side of their career, um, and they're also building business models and having different various revenue streams. Ivan? Fantastic. I mean, this is something that I, we were talking about in the past, the fact that there is this feeling of 
selling out, right? That uh, in music you're an artist and you you are doing this because you love, because of passion. But at the end of the day, well, you cannot pay your children's school with passion. You know, you need to generate some revenues and 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 build yourself understanding that this is a business and I think this is fantastic. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you because some of the, uh, and I probably this is connected with what you are saying, the fact that there is this shift thanks to these digital uh, technologies that is happening, the, the, the shift that we are going from owning products uh, into having access to experiences. This is something that for example we're talking about the record industry, the music industry. For a long time it was all about you know selling CDs. Uh, and then it was about selling the MP3 files on, on iTunes. Today we don't need to buy the CDs. Today we don't need to get MP3. We can go to Spotify and get access to the experience. And this is something that a lot of artists uh, do not understand. They they still see you know uh, as as you know selling records. What do you think about this? Is the the, the shift that is happening in the industry that really really affects this opportunity for new artists to to, to build their work? Uh, that's a great thing to to discuss, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad you bring it up. So I, I think artists still um, are looking, you know, in the previous era in terms of products because they still work. There's still a lot of revenue, and it's not going to go away. Definitely, you know, like products, whether they're digital or physical, they're not going to go away. Uh, but it's really bad to be thinking only in terms of products because it's where you limit too much the potential. So myself as an artist, I'm creating experiences. Uh, interactive theatrical experiences, and this is how I uh, manage, you know, both the side of the experience and the product. Obviously, I do have, you know, music as an MP3. I do sell CDs. We have some merchandising, but the whole thing is about bringing everything together. Before, it was, as like you said, really correctly, that the music industry was the record industry, you know, and the physical, um, the the physical object was encapsulating everything that the music industry had had to sell. And they knew exactly what the price would be, you know, with marketing research, and the system was working perfectly. But now, musicians and everybody in general find it difficult to understand that we don't have to be restricted to a physical product. Now it's about the digital age. About it's not about being restricted in something that is tangible. It's about liberating and 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 dematerializing, let's say, um, everything that we create. It's about opening up a little bit to, to more opportunities. For me, this is the, mo the biggest problem. For musicians to understand that there is something more than a CD. This notion that I don't need to create something that is a product. Let me create something like an ecosystem. Uh, I would add something as well. There's been studies that show that uh, uh, the, the, basic, the basic thing is imagine uh, you, uh, you're a recruiter, you receive a CV, a resume for someone. If the resume is done in a thicker type, type of paper with a better font, I mean, the, just the fact that the physical product is actually um, um, heavier makes you more credible. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is that this is exactly what happened with CDs and before LPs and other, other is that you had a product. And uh, studies show that when you actually own something and you touch something, you have a better relationship with that product than if you don't. Which obviously, with the digitization of all type of contents, and of course, uh, music and books were probably the first one to be hit, which, uh, by the way, should be probably the, the first one to also reinvent what they can do with it. But uh, it shows that 
I remember as a kid, you know, I had my, uh, I had tapes, I had CDs, I had some LPs as well. I still have my old Iron Maiden collection uh, just next to me here, like tons and tons of, of CDs and LPs. There was this kind of, you know, you would, you had the experience of not only going to a shop, buying it, and then you would look at the artwork, and then you would open it, and then you would put it in the, in the, in the music player and the LP player. So this was the experience, right? And on top of that, you could go to a live concert and also get that experience. So if, since that first part of the experience, that physical relationship with the the object, which by the way was already virtual, because the music was the music was virtual as always always been. You had a CD, but you didn't have the music. You just had a physical format on which the music was printed on. So since that part has disappeared, uh, and again this is something that's hitting a lot of other industries, not music only, you have to uh, compensate. Um, I don't know if the term is is well chosen, and use use liberate to find other other avenues of to to kind of maintain that that experience. The the other the other idea is obviously that, and this is something that has been written all over. Uh, in, in the past 10 years is the idea of uh, scarcity versus abundance. Uh, again, if you had to go to a shop and buy the CD, and no matter how many CDs were printed in the world, you still had this idea of scarcity because you had to do the effort and maybe it, the, the CD at that point were out of stock. Music now is like uh, Ivan just just mentioned is like on your fingertips. I have Spotify open here on my computer. I can probably find because most of the most of the artists are there, not all. I can find it right directly. So I, I've I've reduced the, the uh, I've reduced the experience to actually get the music into a very a very uh, short uh, attention span. But the, the experience has to be translated translated elsewhere. And this is I guess what you're uh, talking about when you're saying. You have to liberate the, uh, the the format. Am I correct? No, you're totally correct with everything you say. You know, before it's 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 a shift in the mindset, the uh, the mind, the expectation of the audience. When you think in terms of scarcity, then you know that there is some kind of urgency. You know, it's going to run out of you know of CDs. So you need to go and buy it. And if you cannot buy it in this record store, you know, maybe it's going to be difficult to find it somewhere else. So it's it's about how you expect things to to happen. You need to go there really fast. Well, with, with the digital era, things are digitized, as you said, and now you don't think in terms of scarcity. You can find it anyway. You know, like somebody records something, you put it you know, online, and that's it. You know, it's there forever. So it's, it's a change in the mindset. Now, this change in the mindset changes, obviously, the market powers, you know, the forces that drive, you know, the economy. So if before scarcity was driving the economy, so what is, what is it driving now? And again, scarcity is, is the same thing. So an experience, a physical experience where you're there, or digitally, or something that is scarce, it's something that has value for the market because you cannot copy it. If you're not there, then you probably you cannot experience it. It's different to, to see the recorded experience. Obviously, this is another product, but it's totally different. So now, I think in general, the world starts being more collaborative. People start coming together in a way to get away from the digital space where everything seems to be abundant and everything seems to be great and they go and they gather in, in, in real places enjoying real experience and it's about these you know the, the people coming together for me this is the, the, the interesting part the interactivity the collaboration all these you know um, concepts that came you know with the digital era so I think this is what musicians should, should think about in terms of how do I create some experience that only me can create for example, the creative process of a song. You write a song. 
Now, something that nobody knew about before was how did you write this song? What do you do between albums? There was total silence. You know, Rolling Stones were building the myth. Now everybody knows what, you know, musicians are doing. In the meanwhile, they're on social media. But the moment where you're by yourself with a piano, you know, composing or being in a studio, this is something scarce that never happens again, all this magic. This is something that a musician can take advantage of one of the things that they can take advantage of. And then you can be creative, you can take advantage of so many things. And we're not talking about the value of music or the value of creation or something. We're not talking about art now. We're talking about the value in terms of market, where somebody can make money, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And having the opportunity to go behind the scenes, to really experience the whole creative process. I'm a sucker for all this. I am the one watching all the documentaries and all the stuff happening. So I love this type of stuff. And exactly, I mean, this is a way to connect uh, closer with your with your audience and really get them involved in the process. It's not just about okay, like, okay here's the album, play it, bye, uh, but actually get them to really share this experience and this moment with you. I have a question connected with business because uh, you're saying something that is really powerful: the fact that, uh, in a way, this is very liberating for artists. The fact that they do not have to rely on on management. You know, having the manager to take care of business while well, they are the artists coming up with a creative process. But what you are saying is saying, musicians, you guys, you're artists, but you really need to have a good understanding of business models, and you have a good understanding of revenue, uh, diversifying your revenue streams. Uh, what are some of the things that you would recommend to, 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 to a new artist coming up? You know, they have the talent, they have the music, but they are still thinking that they need to get you know, big contract with a with a with a record industry. They need a manager, and they are stuck. What are the first three things that you will tell them to do? Oh, that's a good question. Um, actually, I'm thinking that I wrote an article that that went viral about this topic, and it was called uh, "Why Do Musicians Always Feel Disappointed About Their Careers?" And and obviously, the article was exactly the opposite. I was suggesting four, six things to do in order not to be disappointed, and how you start. So first of all, we're starting with vision. I'm going to mention these six things like really quick. So number one is the vision. You know, you should know what you're doing and 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 what this thing in your head is about. Because most musicians they want to copy somebody else. For me, these these visions are not really marketable. You know, there is already somebody like you. So it's about creating something that you, as a musician or as a as part of the audience, would like to see, or something that you're inspired and create something that doesn't exist. So we're talking about, so there are so many ways to be unique. I mean, I, I don't like it when people say, oh, you know, everything has been done already. So number one is the vision. Number two is, is about, what is number two? Number two is about translating that vision. Because it's in your head, so you need to, to describe it with words or with visuals so other people can understand what you're talking about. I think there is a clash between vision and communication of the vision. This is something a musician is not really good at. You ask them, um, so what kind of music do you play? And they're like, oh, I play this unique style of music that nobody has ever heard of. This is not a way of communicating. No, we're humans. <laughs> we understand what you're talking about. So number three is persistence. You keep going because there are so many disappointments. Everybody says, yeah, whatever. You know, you're talking about it because you've done some things or because of this or that. Without persistence, you know, no, nobody's going to succeed. Number four is about the abundance of tools, which is something good, and they're all for free, but people, musicians, don't know how this ecosystem connects with these tools. They don't have the know-how about how to use the tools. So the tools are there, but yeah, if you have a hammer and you don't know how to use it, you're going to break your finger. That's what I say. Um, and then number five is about understanding business models. 
putting everything together in a way that makes sense in terms of business. And I use business model generation as a good example, you know, lean startup and all this way of thinking, which has helped me get so much creative. I, I, connecting art and commerce for me has been a cre creative revelation. It's been amazing. And then the last one, which is most musicians start from this step, for me the last one is getting money to scale up what you've built already. So with all these things you need to put them together to create an experience and then you start create, uh, having a following. What I really love about that is if I remove the term music, basically your six steps are basically a steps for entrepreneurs in general actually. This is stuff you hear a lot. You mentioned, you, you, you just mentioned lean and other movements, but basically it's really about I mean, the, the great thing, and also something you mentioned, the great thing we have today is we have all these tools are available. And a lot of them are free or very, very low price. The same thing we say to entrepreneurs. I had a startup back in the 90s. It cost a shitload, and sorry for using that term of money, just to scale it up because you had to buy all the servers. You had to, now you have everything in your power to, do, to start a startup with less than uh, $10,000, 10,000 euros since we're in Europe. So you can actually... The same idea applies to to the same idea applies to to music. The same idea that we said before: the the scarcity versus abundance. There's abundance. There's an abundance of tools that are are available. So, and of course, with abundance comes usually a crash of the price. I mean, the price is falling down very quickly, meaning that. But that's the good part. You have all these tools. You you also mentioned earlier to uh, earlier in the show collaboration. Collaboration before being being uh, physical, you can also create collaboration that is purely digital. You can actually talk to look look at us right now. I mean, we're not creating any kind of music, but we're on three different countries in Europe and just doing it quickly. It's, it was very easy to set up. Oh, everything we've done is for free. This is basically the same idea. So all these tools can be leveraged. It's basically what uh, these these kind of advice you are giving. Our advice you could give to to any entrepreneur now, the if you think about in that way in terms of entrepreneurs, so a, a, a new a new player in the game, an incumbents, which would be the large come back a little bit to what Ivan said, the large corporation. It's also it's also true that in the music industry, and there's a lot of debate because we're still figuring out how the music industry is changing. And I want to hear you a little bit about that. Uh, the the reason I'm saying is that I believe, and that was hinted by both you and Ivan that uh, the incumbents, so basically the major labels, the major uh, uh, record uh, industry uh, majors, are still uh, thinking in terms of the old revenue stream. So they're still trying to uh, apply the old recipes to a new, uh, a new world, which is, and this is where it clashes, I guess, a lot with a lot of maybe uh, upstarters, a lot of young people, and not always young, it's just upstarters that want to try music because they kind of feel this is a new world, but when they just look at what the majors are doing, they're still applying old business model to a new tool. So do you think this is something that is still going on? Do you think that these, I'm not saying that the big ones will disappear. I'm saying they're slow to adapt because, like you said, they're still making money. I mean, at some point, as long as you're making money, why change your business model? But also that creates kind of a bottleneck for other people to actually disrupt, which is why, I guess, uh, you have kind of launched this uh, musicpreneur movement because you know what you can do it yourself with all these tools. Uh, do, am I going somewhere with that? Yes, yes, you, you definitely are. Uh, I think that the labels definitely they're not irrelevant. You know they're really relevant, and and for me I see them as a as a great way for for accomplished musicpreneurs to scale up and and you know get all these contacts and all this infrastructure that the labels have built 
throughout the years. So definitely they're not irrelevant and I think the musicpreneur movement definitely helps them because they create more like ready uh, artists to supply for the market. Right, exactly, exactly. Supply yeah. for the for, for labels and the artists want all this infrastructure anyways. Um, so what you said is really correct that um, the labels, they keep doing the same thing at the moment. Uh, it, it's quite funny. I was reading a book about the music industry that stopped at 2008 and more or less the situation is the same like in 2008. It's a little bit weird. But <laughs> since things work, they keep working. I mean, they keep making money. They make less money. They try, you know, they try this thing with the reality shows, you know, X Factor and everything else. Now there is a big decline, I read uh, recently. In general, the revenues are, are going down. However, the labels cannot experiment because they're big corporations and they're less flexible to do that. So the disruption is not going to come from a major label. You know, we shouldn't expect that. You know, we shouldn't expect all of the sound of the labels that change, you know, their mindset. iTunes came because of Steve Jobs, not, not because of the labels. You know? yeah. And it was very hard to, for them to, to, to be on board. It was hard for them to convince be convinced. Um, so, in general, I think the disruption in the music industry, and it should have happened already, but anyways, the disruption is going to come through musicpreneurs, through the, the artists that already believe that what they have and what they've, what they've built has commercial viability, and they organize everything formally with a team around them, not by themselves, with a team around them, so they can build up and create revenue streams. I mean, this is what it is. You know, creating a business model is not something bad. You just organize everything. In terms of market, you know how the market works, and then you have, you find out some revenue streams to diversify and not have you know just selling CDs or whatever this might be. So in, in general, I, I expect a lot of uh, changes in the next five years. And personally, what I'm trying to do, what what is my you know contribution to all these things, and what am I doing as a musician? I'm trying to combine the lean startup methodology and and mindset with the, the art creation, which is a tricky part, because art is all about creating questions. Entrepreneurship is all about solving problems. So there is a big clash here. And, and somebody said that music cannot be marketed. And this is correct. Music itself cannot be marketed. However, all the, the context around music, all the experience, as Ivan said before, this is totally marketable. And this is what we're talking about. And I believe that even music itself is not going to be a product to be sold in the future. Probably it's going to be like subscriptions, you know, for everyone. It's like water. You pay the water bill, you know, every month. You pay your music bill every month. And what's going to count is going to be the experience and all the, the, the scarce things. Uh, so I will just add something. Sorry, Van. I will just add one thing uh, because you had yourself right an experience as a musician because you're also a musician. You're not only someone, and we'll go to that after this. To, uh, that organizes this movement. You're also a musician yourself. And in all the six uh, points you just mentioned, there's one that was kind of hinted at, it was hidden in there, is that uh, you have to ship it. Uh, because we, there's a lot of things that entrepreneurs as well, at some point, you know, you, you, we, you talk, you create, you organize, you plan, but if you only look for perfection to actually to solve that problem perfectly, then you end up never solving it because you never actually offer it to the world. You never have, have, uh, uh, offer your answer to the world. So you have to ship it. Is it something that applies to musicians as well? Correct. I think I think Ivan had something to say before, right? Yeah, you can ask Axel Rose about the the shipping part. <laughs> Eight years making one album. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but these things, you know, there, there is not the definite thing that, oh, you got to ship it as soon as possible. I mean, no, no, not as soon as possible, but I mean, tell us, I think you had an experience, right? So tell us a little bit yeah, about yeah. Your, your music creation. Correct. So, I mean, this applies for me. 
there is still I still believe in albums. I still believe in concept albums that take a lot of time to be created and they encapsulate a whole experience or mindset or a theme. But there is also another way of thinking which we should not exclude, which is um, trying and testing as soon as possible and then shipping it and then getting feedback. Actually, I'm writing a second book. My second book is going to be about this. Um, arts project management, how you get feedback and you get collaborative, you know, the collaborative process of creating art. So anyways, um, as a practical example is in London, um, I've been, I, I created, you know, an event in a theatre, a custom-made event. The, the point from the idea of creating this interactive uh, theatrical performance in a theatre with a team of people around me, controlling the context 100%, marketing it with 60 people to be in the audience and stuff, and having a guest band from Germany coming over to perform with us, this whole thing from the, the, um, the conceiving the idea to the actually shipping it, it was, a, it was just a month. Just a month of creating this whole production, which would take months for others. And whenever I'm asking them, you know, like, how, how, how long do you think it is? Oh, we have, like, 15 days. Do you think we can do anything? No, 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 we just need three months. I don't believe in that. I believe if you have 15 days, you can do something that is worth of 15 days. And then you have something tangible that you can compare it with next time you create an event. But if your expectation is that this has to be perfect, then probably your event is never going to be perfect and you're never going to ship it in the first place. It's never going to happen, yeah. yeah. And is it, is it also related? I want you to tell us quickly because I know we're running out of time, but you, you yourself, you actually uh, had an EP, right? And you had the, the process... Uh, you told me the story. I mean, it, it's always the first thing, you know, you, you need to make a CD and you need to see it and you know, stuff needs to be perfect. So my first EP with four songs, it took us seven months to be made. I mean, you know, like this was bad, this was wrong, I was changing this, tweaking that. The second, the album, which is yet to be released, which has three, 13 songs in it, plus nine small videos, a series of videos, it took us four months to be created, <laughs> just because we knew that it's never going to be perfect. If you ask me now, we'll change so many things in it, but at that time, I felt like that, that's it. You know, it feels good at this point. Let's ship it. Okay. Ivan, do you have a last question? Um, no. Actually, I'm fascinated with this conversation. I wish we could have not, not just 20, 25 minutes, but an hour, because this is something that I'm, I'm very passionate about music, and this is something that it has been... Uh, are really, really important for me, and, and, and I think that this is very valuable advice that, that you, Tommy, are sharing, and, and I really hope that this uh, movement uh, grows, because this is what is going to make a difference for all these upcoming new talented artists that are trying to make it, but they don't know how. So, so, so maybe really uh, since you, because you have actually you, you organize a lot of stuff around that musicpreneur movement. I mean, there's your blog. It's Tommy uh, TommyDarker.com. All these links will be on the DigitalLoop.co after the show. Uh, there's an article by, that you wrote there that that really lists a lot of what we've been talking today. You also have a. Um, a media, medium.com is a platform, a, a writing platform. You have a collection of articles there that are really great. There's a lot also media mentions and, uh, and, and blog posts that you've done, also on Tommy Darker. All this will be listed. But what you do as well is, like you do, you organize a series of events. This is also why you're in, uh, in Ukraine uh, today, right? Can you tell us yes. a little bit more about that one? Correct, yes. Yeah. So, so in, in general, I realize that there is a demand. Some, a lot of musicians, they're hungry for new knowledge, and they're expecting to find new knowledge, but they don't know where to find it. They don't know what to find credible uh, knowledge about entrepreneurship. And there is also people all around the world that are willing to share all these vast of knowledge, of knowledge and experience they have. 
So I bring I bridge this gap and I bring them together, and it's called Darker Music Talks. So essentially, it's crowdfunding local um, knowledge keepers, and then making this knowledge accessible to local musicians, and then we record everything and put it on YouTube for everybody around the world to see. Um, so this is something that started a year ago in London, and it grew through word of mouth, and now it's happening in five countries. And by the end of month of next month, it's it's going to be nine countries, and by September, it's going to be thirteen countries in four different continents. So there is a lot of demand, and obviously it's an open call if somebody wants to organize darker music talk in their city, they can get in touch. But this is about how you grow a movement by planting a seed in different places around the world and then inspiring these people, getting them exposed to new ideas, allow them, like giving them the playground to take action on, and then connecting them all together so they can be they can support each other and collaborate with each other. Because if you know that there are 10 musicpreneurs here and 10 in the States and 10 in Asia, but they've never talked with each other, you think you're alone, but this thing makes you feel that you're not lonely in this world. And I hope that we can see changes in five years from now. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Tommy, for doing this. Uh, as I just said, everything will be on, on, the, on, the, on the website afterwards. Uh, we're probably going to invite you at some point because we could go on, like Ivan said, for, for hours with that. So we'll probably invite you again at some point, maybe season three uh, at the end of this year. Thank you so much, Tony, and uh, I'll, good luck for your next event. I think it's uh, in one week or something, right? Yes, yes, correct. In uh, Ukraine, in Lviv, at the borders with Poland. Oh, very close to Ivan. We can actually go visit you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And uh, as a digital loop, we see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, Tommy. Bye. Bye, Bye guys.